Hello, everybody. My name is Daniel Prince, and I am the host of the Once Bitten podcast. This is a podcast focused on Bitcoin. It's my mission to interview as many people as I can around the different aspects of Bitcoin and help people understand exactly what Bitcoin could mean for them and for their families and for their future. I hope you enjoy the show. Thank you so much for listening. Hey guys, welcome to this edition of the Once Bitten Podcast. Sorry, there's been a little bit of a delay between episodes. Team Prince have been uh, recovering from a little bout of the Rona. Uh, everybody as well, don't worry. We're all back on the mend and uh, looking forward to releasing many more episodes like this one. But uh, apologies to Raul, who's been probably standing on hot coals waiting for this one to be released. But uh, we've been taking it easy and resting. So Raul and I actually got to meet in real life. Uh, a Bitcoin pleb that answered the call when we visited Spain at the beginning of June. And I put out a tweet, shill me some Bitcoiners in Marbella. And there was Raul, who met us one evening to walk us around his hometown of Marbella with his wife and young daughter. And then we sat and had some beers and some tapas. And of course, talked a shit ton about Bitcoin. But also his fiat job, which just blew me away. And you will find it just as interesting as I did, I am sure. So before we get into this episode, I just want to give a quick shill to the show sponsors, coinfloor.co.uk forward slash bitten. Go check out their app. It's a very slick app. You can download it using that forward slash bitten as well. You will immediately save on commission. But over the next three months, if you sign up to auto buy, it might even be six months, your commission will trend to zero. Go check it out. It's the easiest way to stack Bitcoin-only exchange. Relay across Europe, R-E-L-A-I.ch forward slash Bitten, swanbitcoin.com forward slash Bitten in the US, and then take control and use a Bitbox 2 hardware wallet from shiftcrypto.ch forward slash Bitten. Okay, Raul, welcome to the show. Great to see you. Great to see you too. How are you doing? Very well. And this is this is a strange one for Lauren and I because this is back to back guests with Bitcoiners we've actually met in real life. Well, I'm happy to be here and also very happy that I met you guys. You have a beautiful family. Thank you very much. Yesterday was uh, Thibaut from uh, Knox and Ducks Reserve. And today we have Raul, Uber pleb, just person. a Bitcoin pleb. <laughs> the other person from yesterday. The other person, no, we hadn't met him before. Oh, he right. was in Canada. Meant, yeah, right. I've never met. I haven't talked to him. So uh, we are doing beers. Like uh, th th this is how cool it is, right? We are an English family living in France, speaking to a Spanish guy living in Germany, drinking. I even have a German beer. Cheers, mate. Cheers. <laughs> and you're drinking German beer as well, I assume. Of course. The in a, in a great in big, a great big pint glass. It's not a can yet. No, no, it's really German-sized beer. <laughs> as it should be <laughs> uh because we were drinking canyas in uh in in marbella your um your beautiful home village yeah. where uh well it's not a village mm. anymore but uh the, the part that you walked us around was was amazing and mm. thank you for mm. reaching out and because just to let the listeners know when we visited spain the beginning of june i put out a tweet about a month before we left you know she'll meet some bitcoiners in marbella or mallorca 
And you were straight in the DMs, like, when are you going to be in Marbella? This is amazing. So it's great to meet you, your wife, and your, your little one, and you're expecting another. Yeah, exactly. Now, in, in fact, in four or five weeks' time, so we'll be now, instead of three, we will be four. Uh, kind of nervous. <laughs> oh, yeah. New Bitcoin I mean, to come into the world. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I do have one of these, one of these uh, Bitcoin coins you can buy in Amazon. It was a present they gave me, and now my little one she starts starts to play with it. She doesn't really know what it is, but <laughs> it will come soon. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, Lauren, yeah. uh, you wanted to ask your question, so I think I remember it. Thanks. Good. Um, it's only been 180. I shots. think. No, I remember sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> all right wait 100 okay never mind wait what was i gonna say oh yeah why do you write articles about inflation yes. yeah exactly good, good question lauren uh the first reason was because i was curious about that i didn't know a lot and it helped me think about uh, inflation but it all came because of a discussion i had with a friend uh, we think very differently and when we started to argue about, he said inflation was good or let's say a necessary evil. And I said, well, it's an evil, but it's not really necessary. <laughs> and then sometimes he argued back with some things I really couldn't counter argue. argue. And I started to think about it in a more relaxed way. Like I started reading books and tried to write my opinion. And it helped me uh, put my opinion in place and develop my answer to him. And I have to say that he recognized, he admitted that uh, I moved his position on inflation. <laughs> yeah. Well and, and I think that was the, the only purpose. But after that, I, I, was, uh, I was happy to, to follow reading on the topic and, and to write a bit more. But not, not much writing had happened since, I have to say. So do you do you know what inflation is? I know you spoke. Yeah, yeah, inflation is when like money goes down, right? Yeah, that's a good way to think of it. Perhaps Raul would uh, be able to round out your knowledge. Mm -hmm. Well, inflation uh, can be interpreted in two ways. So once is that imagine if we are using, for example, euros. So there is one organization that is printing all the euros that everyone will use. So if they start printing more and more and more and more, what we call it, it's inflation because they are inflating the number of euros, right? But then another way to refer to inflation is that the consequence of doing this is that the price go up. Yeah, and the prices of many things like the groceries or toys or a house. And this is also known as inflation. These are two different things, but very related. And yeah, this is uh, a description of that, I, I would say. Makes sense? No, sorry. And it's bad. Yeah, because if you have the money that you used to have and then new money comes in, it makes it higher, you can't afford anything. Mm -hmm. Precisely. It's not necessary at all. Central banks mm -hmm. and governments do it to hide their own mistakes that's and blame why, the people. That's yeah. why we have Bitcoin to make it the same. Correct. Mm -hmm. To have a, a level uh, playing field, right? Mm -hmm. 
Okay. Imagine if if we were playing, and everyone in your family, let's let's say we are going to uh, role play. Uh, this is a small city, and each one has a role. One would be the baker, another would be I don't know someone who sells bicycles, but then there will be one role that is the person who can create the money that everyone is going to use. Yeah, and in this game, everyone has to pay for things with that money. So which of the roles <laughs> looks like the most interest, interesting to have, you know? Because if you are the one who can print money, you maybe have some temptations of, well, I can print a bit more so I can buy more bread or I can buy a better bicycle. And because I'm printing, I have no consequences. And in a bigger scale, this is something that actually happens, you know, and it's a problem for everyone else. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. My sister just might print it to get clothes and, and stuff like that. <laughs> she would. She would. Everybody would. If you had a control, this is the, the point Bitcoin is trying to make. If you if you were mm. playing that role, if you had control of the amount of money mm. that uh, people were using, you would abuse that power. You would you would for sure print a bunch of money. Mm. And first of all, you would make sure you got a bunch of it, and then all of your very close friends and cronies got a bunch of it. And you wouldn't care so much about everybody else. Mm. Just so just so happens that we're everybody else. And meanwhile, all of the goods and services that we want to use and we need, that we work hard for to earn money to, mm. to buy, they all start running away from us. They, they, they go down in quality and they go up in price. At no fault of our own, but at the fault of the people that are just flooding money into the system. Sound fair? No. Okay, Bitcoin's a complete opposite to that. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we love it. Yeah. Good so explanation. Yeah. Smart person. He stood on the shoulder of giants. Or she. Mm -hmm. Or they. Exactly. They they would just whoever they were, whoever that person was, were carrying forward work that had already been done, uh, you know, decades before them. Mm. But just taking the good parts and then refining it and figuring it out, and voila, you know, the the, the final mm. light bulb suddenly yeah. came on. That must be hard because it was like 2000, like, like a long time ago, it was on. For what? Uh, Bitcoin. So it must have been hard to try and find everything else. 2009? Wait, it was on 2009? Yeah. But people have been working on um, kind of uh, alternative monetary systems um, since like the 70s and 80s mm. and through the 90s. Uh, so it all just came to this, this head when Satoshi kind of... He just weaved it all together yeah. and added his own little secret sauce known as uh, like the difficulty mm -hmm. adjustment and solved the, the uh, general Byzantine's problem. The general Byzantine what? Yeah, you can have to call <laughs> Danny Scott again. All right, no problem. We'll get Danny on to go through that <laughs> But anyway, do you want to say goodbye to Raul? Do you uh, have any further questions? I think, I think that's it. Okay. Yes, yeah. Goodbye. I hope, I hope your family is doing well and... Um, Bye. Thank you, Lauren. Bye. Have a good day. Bye-bye. Yeah, you know, great. I have to say that that um, the, this is uh, actually the first podcast I ever heard when I started to listen to contents on Bitcoin and so on. And it's really an honor to be here talking to you, man. And I remember when I was in Chile, um, in lockdowns and so on, was very present in my day and I remember 
seeing you talking with Lauren and involving her in your activities. And I said, wow, that's a great way to, to raise a kid, you know, to involve her in the things that you're doing. And I, I admire you for that. And yeah, it's, it's great. It's great. Yeah. Thank you very much. Wow, that's that's very nice to know that uh, we, we've been part of your your Bitcoin journey and you know discovering mm -hmm. the rabbit hole and all the way over in Chile. That it still blows my mind that people from around the world are, are tuning in and listening. But uh, mm -hmm. you know, here we are in this informational kind of technology space. That if you just decide to write an article like you did, or, or you know, create a podcast or YouTube channel, you can reach. It doesn't even matter mm -hmm. if you reach one person. You just put it out there. And it's gonna mm -hmm. it's gonna help someone somehow. Yeah, especially if you think on things long term. So the um, second order effects that it comes or the defects downstream, they are just uh, way bigger than one could think. You know, so it's yeah, it's, I, it's important. What you are doing is really important. Yeah. Thank you. And you wrote your article in Spanish and English. Is that correct? Uh, no, no, it's uh, only in English. Right. I mean, they were. Four, I think it was, yeah, four articles because <laughs> we had a really long discussion. And well, it, just to give a bit of context, uh, this is a group of four friends we have in WhatsApp. And uh, I am like more on the liberal side or libertarian side, let's say. Yeah, my friend is more on the left wing uh, ideology. So when all these um, coronavirus measures were taken, it was early 2020, I think. So you started to see banks uh, printing money like crazy and European Central Bank, the Fed and so on. And at some point I commented, you know, guys, this is happening and nobody's talking about this. And I think this is actually a bad idea, you know, uh, just printing money out of the blue. Uh, money doesn't grow on trees. It, it, printing money doesn't bring value, you know, it, it, it actually it's what they say, but it's not like that. Uh, so my friend just said, no, no, uh, it's uh, something we have to do. It's good. And, and as I said, we started arguing over a few uh, points there. And I wrote those articles giving a sort of moral angle to the discussion because I'm no economist and so on. But you can argue by principle, right? If you know where the incentives are, if you know... Um, where money comes from. I mean, there are not that many pieces if you take it in the abstract, right? So I started with like, I have the intuition that money doesn't grow on trees. And if you print money, uh, if, if they say you are giving value, there must be something hidden. You are taking value from somewhere else. And it's exactly, this is exactly what happens. I mean, you print money, you give to some people, but you are actually taking value from the people who save in that money, you know? So I took a few of his points. I took like, um, he was saying, yeah, but if you have a deflationary currency, uh, you are rewarding the early adopters or you are not incentivizing production. Um, so you are also incentivizing uh, rentists, like if you buy a house and you rent it away and, and so on and so forth. So I, I just basically broke down all his arguments, went one by one. And I think I changed its mind. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. Could it be argued that Bitcoin does grow on trees, whether they be uh, Merkel trees, at least? Well, <laughs> uh, you could say so, but as long as the 
as the rules for growing on trees are perfectly predictable and everyone agrees on that, I have no problem with it. I mean, it's it's a free market money. Uh, so if it works uh, like that, yeah, why not? It's a nice, nice little uh, meme there for somebody, perhaps. Uh, yeah, very cool. <laughs> All right. It's, it's strange that you with Spain, what I what I find strange about Spain is we're so close still to that dictatorship. And it was only a hundred, no, a couple of hundred years beforehand, Spain was like one of the, you know, superpowers of the world, you know, the colonies all over the place, uh, you know, huge, vast amounts of gold. That changed so quickly. And it was mm -hmm. still in the 70s that Franco was around, uh, if I'm correct. Mm -hmm. at, yep. what point, at what point was he overthrown or killed? I don't know the, the, the end story. Mm -hmm. So he, he died in bed. So he was not overthrown or killed or anything. He, the, let's say <laughs> the dictatorship dissipated because he died. Um, and he actually put in charge uh, the king of Spain who... the. So let's say our latest king, who was Juan Carlos I, and uh, he pushed for a democratic regime. Uh, so it was sort of a good transition, all things considered. I have to say there was no no war, no revolts in, in the common sense, as, as you could imagine. Um, but yeah, it's, it's somebody said that it's actually bad news if a dictator dies in bed you know um but whatever you know uh, this is how it happened and in the end we got what they call the transition and uh, they say um they, the old politicians always quote this like the spirit of the transition uh, which is uh, all parties from different colors just got together and they said you know what anything better than another dictatorship so let's agree on a constitution and go ahead with it uh, i mean the communists were there people fascists uh, close to fascists were there and everything in between and uh, this is the constitution we have right now from the mid 70s or late 70s was the constitution man that's crazy isn't it you think about like how recent that was and then in your lifetime you've seen the peseta disappear and you know the euro come in but be the reason I, I talk about these things is because we I, I just feel as though there's so much shift going on in the world right now and people aren't paying attention to it. They're like the proverbial, you know, frogs in the slowly boiling pan, just sleeping, just not paying attention. But there could be turmoil around the corner. And Spain is a perfect example of, you know, making one of those transitions, losing its uh, currency, um, do, do you remember any, do you remember that vividly, switching from the peseta to the euro? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so there was lots of um, advertisement on TV and it was like a big event because, I mean, it was a new thing and we were curious about that. Um, but uh, I have to say, for me, it wasn't a big shock. Um, it was at the end of the 90s, I believe, mm -hmm. 1999 on 2000, something like that. Um so we only had to remember that six euro was uh, 1000 pesetas you know this was the the best uh, comparison they did so we didn't just mix up our heads with the value of what we were buying because i mean the germans had it very easy so two deutsche mark was one euro 
but uh, for Spanish people, uh, one euro was 136 comma something pesetas. So it's like, okay, maybe we just have to find a better multiple <laughs> so everyone can remember. So a common banknote was uh, 1,000 pesetas and they say, okay, so this is actually six euro, or almost six. Uh, but other than that, uh, for me, it wasn't a big deal. But after that, everything just got super expensive because many people, so everything you used to buy with 100 pesetas suddenly was one euro. No, So things just, many things just got like a 30% increase in price wow. just because of the unit, uh, unit uh, change, you know. And this is... Um, yeah, something that many people complain because, of course, salaries were adjusted exactly to the decimal, but the prices in the normal shops, uh, everyone was just taking advantage of that. And this is a perception. Yeah. So you move from a peseta standard to a euro standard and are praying to move to a Bitcoin standard because the inverse yeah. would happen, right? If you, for those people that are holding Bitcoin, the inverse would happen. Everything would go down. Yeah, exactly. I mean, everyone who has hold Bitcoin uh, for more than four years have seen everything else uh, go down in price. So, I mean, you just need to think a bit long term, obviously. And and thank God we just discovered um, Bitcoin. I'm not sure if I discovered Bitcoin or Bitcoin discovered me. Yeah. This will <laughs> stay there. But yeah, this is a good point. All right. So... Uh we've got to we've got to tell the listeners about your day job man like it's uh, it's so damn interesting can first of all can you can you give us kind of the lead up what what were you studying before you found yourself in in your current role uh, absolutely so i'm a computer engineer and i also got an mba uh, both of them in spain and when i was in spain i found a job as an intern in the european space agency here in germany where, I, where i'm sitting right now in fact and uh, this job was called knowledge management. Okay, so after my internship, I continued working in information and knowledge management, and I've been doing that since 2010, more or less. But I jumped from the European Space Agency to Bayer, and from Bayer to where I am right now, which is the European Southern Observatory, which is an amazing organization. Um, which is, I mean, the headquarters is in Germany, but the telescopes, so this is basically an, uh, um, an observatory with telescopes. All of them are in Chile. The, usually under normal circumstances, I should be located in Chile. And we do have, I'm working where in some place it's called the um, Very Large Telescope. Everyone uh, calls it the, the VLT, but that's the actual name, Very Large Telescope. And the funny thing is that we are building something called the ELT, which is an extremely large telescope, you know. So there's head are... of marketing over there. This is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> we are running out of superlatives. <laughs> <laughs> So, so how big is the very large telescope at the moment? So the first thing that I was confused about when I, I want to work there is that the, the VLT is actually four telescopes plus another four auxiliary telescopes. So it means that we do have um, four big telescopes with a mirror of um, eight meter diameter. So each of those, so they have huge mirrors. 
um, because I I didn't say it. So this, these are optical telescopes. It means it's just basically a mirror that um, gets all the light and light bounces back to some very sophisticated instruments which process lights and then just do lots of stuff like uh, discovering planets, looking at uh, stars far away, analyzing um, black holes and so on. And then there are other um, four auxiliary telescopes that they actually, you can move them. It's like uh, a chessboard, something like that. There, there are rails and you can move them to do something that is called interferometry. So it's like simulating a huge mirror by placing those telescopes at very um, at different distances. So depending where you actually want to look at, you can place those four auxiliary telescopes in different positions and you, you would be simulating a, a bigger mirror than you actually have. So yeah, this is what, I, well, what I'm doing right now is I'm, I'm not exactly involved in the telescopes, I'm involved in the management of information and knowledge because it's a place where it's very information intensive. Lots of data is uh, it's generated continuously. Then this data is processed, converted into reports, analysis, and so on. And then, I mean, you have to organize information in a way that reaches the people who, who need it at the right time. Yeah. Why is so it based if, in Chile? Um, well, the moment in which they were looking for a better location, a best location, there, there are some variables that they need to consider have it in a place with, that has lots of particles in the air, like humidity, for example. Uh, so they had to look for places that are very dry. Also, it will help a lot if it's very high uh, above the sea level. And well, they, they have had some place in Africa at the beginning when they were doing their um, scouting of places. Uh, but I don't know the reasons why they didn't choose that. Someone told me that because of political instabilities and so on. But I mean, we're talking about uh, 40, 50 years, so even more maybe. And then they found that the Atacama Desert is, uh, I think it's the driest desert in the world. And it's also very high above the sea. So it, it was a very good candidate. And in, indeed, they just build the, the telescopes there. So and that's, you, that's the reason, yeah. Do you, I mean, you used to, I know you used to live in Chile, but you used to be there on site with the telescopes like uh, working shift work? What, how, how was that working? Yeah, it's uh, it's actually a very unique uh, place to work at. So because I, my, my office is basically on a platform that is uh, below the, the telescopes. So we are in a, in a small mountain. This is where the telescopes are. And then they are built on a platform and below the platform, there are a few offices. And this is where the control centers are and all the people that need to be there are and so on. And my office is there. In fact, if, if you go to the ESO.org website, there are lots of uh, pictures and you can even see my office. <laughs> it's a small window below one of those telescopes. It's, it's amazing. I mean, imagine uh, walking uh, out of your office on a regular work, work day and uh, just encountering these four huge telescopes uh, on a sunset it, it's like and in the middle of the desert you know it's like being in a star wars movie it sometimes it's like tattooing you know, one of those worlds that are <laughs> um yeah like desertic and and so on with all this technology around you it's really cool 
Yeah. I imagine a picture now, like it's the classic kind of sci-fi movie, disaster, alien invasion movie, where the guy who works at the telescope installation, he's kind of sitting there <laughs> eating a donut, not paying attention. And the, 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 he's like the UFO crosses the and the alarm goes off. Then it cuts to that guy who's now <laughs> trying to scramble and make the phone call. And that's you, basically, all alone out there in the middle of the desert. <laughs> I have to say, <clears throat> I, I am not the guy that is uh, in charge of the telescope or, <laughs> on, or the measurements, but I am very close to them. <laughs> These are, um, we, we have lots of uh, astronomers who are the ones who, this mm -hmm. is actually a very long process, but in short, uh, lots of uh, universities and schools around the world, they, they submit their proposals because we have a very limited, I mean, the scarce asset of the telescopes is time observation time and this is this is literally like the block space in the blockchain this is so scarce because you can only um, observe at night because during the day mm -hmm. there is so much sunlight you just cannot observe and night every night that has so much hours and also there are many nights in which it's cloudy i mean not that many because this was one of the reasons why we are there so the, the, the skies are completely clear but then the, the astronomers, they submit a proposal like uh, my study is about observing, I don't know, uh, binary stars or uh, exoplanets or whatever it is. And then uh, they submit, it's approved by a committee and so on. And eventually they say, well, we, we grant you, I don't know, this slot in three months time, you have four hours to observe gather as much data as you can and then whenever you want you just process that data so they get the astronomers are very very uh, intensive working people when they are there they just need to make us uh, the, the best as possible from their time they just need to say just move the telescope to this coordinate gather all the data move again gather the data move again so it's really and then during the day they just process and whenever hmm. What's the coolest thing anyone's found? Uh, well, we have been part uh, of um, a global effort to make the first picture of a black hole. Uh, probably you saw that in the papers. Uh, it was two, one and a half years ago, something like that. And ESO was, I mean, they, we, we have provided also information, but it's not only our observatory. It's been many observatories around the world during uh, many, many months. And they just took lots of pictures and eventually they processed them, put them together. And, and there you have a picture of a black hole. We, we never had one. And this is pretty amazing. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. And does anybody come like seriously, like looking for UFOs? Or is that just a thing that people like, like if they're serious astronomers, mm. they're just not interested in? I don't think we do have such a project. I haven't heard of those, but I mean, there there is or there was the SETI project. This, do you know that one? Uh, but it's it's not in our uh, premises or anything. It's not related to us, but it's called the Search for Extraterrestrial Intelligence, and these were actually serious people, astronomers, and everything who just put together voluntarily their money and they bought observation time, and they were um yes pinging different places where they thought it were, they were they, they could be live yeah and in fact this is something that uh, you know xkcd comics uh 
This is no. was a guy from NASA who left his job because he was so good at comics that, <laughs> well, the, the point is that he said, you know, guys, probably it's not the best idea just to ping a, a message to all, other planets uh, to just broadcast that here we are because maybe there is a reason why other planets are not revealing their um, their location. And then the, the metaphor was that when you look at the deep part of the sea, you also don't see life. Even though it's full of life, you don't see life, but all life is hidden because they are scared of the predators. <laughs> so you don't want to be the fish who is just pinging <laughs> their right. location for the sharks coming and just bite them. So they say, well, maybe we shouldn't be sending signals to the space without knowing what we are doing. Yeah, man. People listening are going to think, hang on a second. Is this like the, the pomp show or something? What's going on? They're talking about aliens some, for some reason. That that used to be his favorite, his favorite question is like, you know, do you believe well, in aliens? Um, but so do you believe in aliens? <laughs> No, I don't think what about so. You? I don't think so. Hmm. Um, I, I've not thought too deeply about it, I suppose. Um, there's just so much going on on our own planet that, uh, <laughs> you know, <there's, laughs> uh, you know, hmm. are there parallel universes and all of this kind of thing? You know, what happens if you that that black hole you found what happens if you enter that i mean what is a black hole i don't even know what a black hole is hmm. can you tell me do you know well, i mean i i don't know it in detail but it's just uh, a, a body in, in the universe that it has so much mass that the gravity of the thing doesn't even allow light to escape so it's like the earth is heavy and has a particular gravitational field jupiter has an even bigger gravitational field, the sun even more. But if you keep adding mass to a particular, to, to a structure, a body, it is so heavy that, yeah, the, the distortion it creates makes that everything goes in, uh, even light. So light cannot escape the, the pool of that body. That's why it's black, no? It's because it's just, you know, mm -hmm. light doesn't come out. So that's why you cannot see it. There is actually a funny uh, um, uh, anecdote. Some when, when the the name was proposed about the black hole, so th there were some French scientists who said, "Well, black hole maybe is not the best name. There are some connotations we don't want to have, and so on and so forth." And the point is that um, years later, there was Stephen Hawking who who talked about this Hawking radiation, which is actually there is some radiation that escapes the black hole and some uh, astronomer call it uh, black holes have hair yeah <laughs> uh, confirming the fears of those french scientists <laughs> <laughs> oh nice to know an insider's astronomer's joke that's uh, <laughs> the first one i've ever heard but um so do, do you do you think there's there's something out there then well, I, I guess if you think about it in a probabilistic way, I think there must definitely be something out there. Um, I don't think life as, as we see it is that special. Uh, we are made of most of the, uh, of the most common elements in the universe. 
And uh, when you think of the dimension, uh, how massive the universe is, it's very unlikely that there is no other life. I mean, I don't know if intelligent life, but definitely other type of life. The question if the question is if this life will ever reach us or we will reach them. You know, it's uh, this is the key question. I mean, the, there is this theory of the Great Wall and the, the and so on that it's uh, very interesting. You know. I guess, yeah, I, when you say, do you believe in aliens? I, I think I just completely default to the, the classic, what I've seen in a comic or a film. But when you, when, you, when you phrase it differently, it's like, yeah, is there another planet where a plankton might be living or something like that or, mm. you know, or some kind of microbe? Mm. Then yes, that's completely different. Yes, that, mm. that to me mm -hmm. seems completely plausible. Uh, yeah. In fact, probable. Uh, but um, I guess that would still be classed as what we would say an alien body or an alien being yeah well it's yeah, funny if... it's funny that, that the japanese i, I learned <clears throat> once that um i think the word for you might know this um the word for they use for foreigner or tourist is gaijing which i think is uh alien maybe well uh, yeah <laughs> yeah but maybe um yeah because uh people are you, you know if you're alien to the country um, then that's just another, we have gone down a massive black hole here, not even a rabbit <laughs> hole. <laughs> so many. So, I wanted to ask you then, so we've only been talking about the, um, uh, very large telescope. So what is the extremely large telescope? Well, as its name suggests, <laughs> is. <laughs> It's a telescope that is extremely large. <laughs> it is, um, it's in, in this case, it's one telescope with a huge mirror. Um, it is a mirror of 39 meters uh, diameter. And it's in a hill not that far away from where we are working right now. And it has a cupola, I think it's around 80 meters high. And I mean, the whole construction is it's impressive it's, go it's going to be a massive telescope in the middle of the atacama desert and it will be worth uh, worth it just go to go there to watch it and one of the goals uh, and i think it's, it's it's amazing every time i think about that is that because of the resolution that this will have they they would be able to focus on the atmosphere of other planets and see if there are some footprints of life in the atmosphere because of the composition of those uh, of the atmosphere of those planets. Yeah, because apparently life uh, leaves some footprint and some I don't know some uh, elements that just go to the atmosphere that wouldn't be there if there weren't life. So this telescope is going to analyze among other things this uh, if there is life in in different planets in the, what they call the exoplanets you know this uh, especially uh, those that are in the uh, goldilocks band have you heard of that is that those planets who are not so close to a sun that they are so hot that life cannot really be sustained but they are also not so far away from their sun in the sense that it will be so cold that life cannot be sustained. So the, the Goldilocks band is just a band in where um, 
we believe that life could be sustained because it's not so hot or the, the planet would not be so close to the sun that the temperature is very, very hot. And it's also not that far away from the sun that they would be very, very cold. And that's why we, I mean, this is where people think that life could be sustained. This is the... And, and what are some of the footprints that you'd be looking for? Because they're not classic like footprints, like, you know, <laughs> let's, let's, let's make that clear for the listeners. Because, you know, the first thing I'm imagining is the footprint on the moon. Is that, like, yeah, well, we know that, Raul. Like, yeah, you know. <laughs> well, I, I mean, it's, it's a footprint in the sense of uh, chemical components. So the composition of the atmosphere. Right. But, I mean, this is not my area of expertise. These are the things I know because I try to learn as much as I can. But uh, so for, for all your uh, astronomers, listeners and astrophysicists, uh, I apologize for any uh, lack of precision I may have here. <laughs> Mate, this sounds so crazy. Can Mars sustain life like Elon Musk is pushing? How many people have, I mean, well, with this new telescope, would you be able to zoom in on Mars and, and find out whether or not it can sustain life or there's been footprints of life? Yeah, but I think this uh, telescope would not be focusing in the planets in our solar system. I mean, I, I don't know what are the projects coming. Yeah, in fact, projects will come and who knows. Yeah? But I think it's more interesting to see things that are way far away. In fact, Mars and mm -hmm. the planets that are in the solar system uh, they are well researched because of the satellites. So we have the capability to send satellites. So the European Space Agency, so Japanese Space Agency, NASA, the Russians. Uh, so they have sent so many um, satellites there that it's probably more, I'm not sure if saying efficient, but definitely they are more effective to find things because they just you can't just land in Mars uh, rover and just take the components and, and see if this is... So they, they discovered water in Mars. So this is actually an amazing discovery. And who knows? In fact, this one also another uh, factoid or something that I found interesting that if we want to put a man on Mars or a woman, yes, let's be inclusive. Uh, <laughs> if, if you want to send uh, humans to Mars with the current state of technology, these humans would more, uh, more, most likely will uh, either die or almost certain that will, they will get a very hard cancer because of the radiation that they will be exposed to in the trip to Mars. Because it takes many months to, take, uh, to, to get to Mars. And in this trip, you don't have protection uh, from the there is a sort of radiation that it's really, really harmful for the human body. And they said, well, if someone wants to go to Mars, it's, it's good. We can do that. But most likely they won't make it back or they will just have lots of problems after that. The, the thing is that when we send people to the moon, the Earth itself is like a shield that shields us from lots of radiations from the, from the sun. So this, this radiation, uh, this cosmic radiation, I don't recall the exact term. But of course, if you have a, a huge planet just shielding you, yeah, you are safe from those radiations. But if you are in the middle of, of the space uh, traveling to Mars, then the Earth is not any more helpful. So that's um, something to think about. <laughs> yes, it is, mate. Man, we've geeked out a lot on this. And I'm, I'm 
now imagining like a day in your life where you're having your mind blown constantly by your work and big questions being asked of you all of the time, challenging your beliefs. And then you've got Bitcoin <clears throat> that just comes up and like starts blowing your mind in a different way. You must have epiphanies dropping left, right and center. How, how, like, how do you even sleep? <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> since Bitcoin, uh, I have to say, uh, I probably paid way more attention to Bitcoin than I should have <laughs> because it's, I mean, you know it personally, it's, it's almost an obsession. Uh, there are so many things to learn. And of course, uh, when I finish my work, then I start doing things on my free time for for bitcoin um i mean i i have to say i sleep well but then at home my wife many times complains because i'm just spending so much time it's like what are you doing with the computer I'm, and then maybe i'm programming something or i just doing a course on, on bitcoin or i'm uh, writing some articles and so on so yeah it's it's a sort of a i would say a healthy obsession well, well i'm not sure if healthy but it's definitely an obsession <laughs> it's it's definitely healthy it, it yeah. is because it changes us so hmm. so much doesn't it? it it makes us think differently it makes us act differently healthier uh i've certainly felt that i've seen it in so many other people as well um and you know it's just healthy to have an active mind at the very least uh, because what most people do is finish their fiat nine to five job jump on their train or bus well used to if they're not remote working now yeah. uh you know get back home slap something in an oven ripped out of a packet for dinner and fall into their dip on the sofa and rinse and repeat so to have this this outlet of i mean it just challenges it's, it's just so intellectually stimulating it is it doesn't stop hmm. i think one of the main reasons is that I'm, I'm sorry to be cliche but it's it's a true cliche the bitcoin is hope and it, mm -hmm. I say that just not to repeat a slogan or anything. It's hope. It's, it really is. And uh, I feel that I don't know what I would do with my life. <laughs> like if I didn't have Bitcoin or if there weren't Bitcoin around, when you see these politicians, all these central bankers, and I mean, th these people are clowns. They are telling us what to do. They are doing the complete opposite. They are just affecting very negatively how things work and now that you see hey but bitcoin you just cannot put your hands on my bitcoin so it's like well i'm just an an observer um of course i'm very uh, upset when i see some things and so on but you just see things in a different way and uh, it's it's happy to have some alternative that you know cannot be taken from you yeah it is mate it, it is hope and it gives you that kind of um, comfort that you, you're looking after your future self, especially if you're, you know, you've got a young family, you've got another child coming along the way uh, to, to have Bitcoin by your side, so to speak, to know that in 10 years time, you should be able to do whatever you want and pursue whatever is interesting you or your family at that time. And you'll be okay. You know, you're not going to be running this hamster wheel just for the sake of it. Yeah, this is very true. But I have to say that even if I had to be running the hamster wheel, uh, the fact that the I mean, 
Bitcoin has changed the the way I think about life, about my own life. Uh, even if I die working uh, with 70 years old on a job I don't like or something like that, uh, that I know that my children or my grandchildren are going to be able to enjoy a better life because of that. It's something that gives me hope and it's satisfying. Yeah, I think that the concept of time preference is key. Um, and I first read of that in Saifedean's book. Um, and even though I think, I mean, it resonated with me very well because uh, I I think I am a person who tries to delay the gratifications or rewards and so on. But then when you put a name to that, it's it's like a good marketing for Bitcoin. It's a good marketing for this sort of ethos, you know. And knowing that time preference is something you can optimize for the good it's uh it's really gratifying i have to say yeah totally let's talk about the project that you put together mate because that's uh, that's a great little <laughs> story as well what made you what made you do this well let's talk about the project to do some <laughs> advertisement uh it's a <laughs> bitcoinminds.org yeah it's um it's a project where i am collecting as many resources of Bitcoin as I can. In the sense, it's just a table with lots of links and a small description and a tag. So it's as simple a database as you can imagine. And the motivation behind that, and I have to say it has a very specific motivation, is that you remember we talk about these inflation articles that I tried yeah. to convince my friend because he was in favor of inflation and so on. When inflation was not anymore a problem, was because uh, he was convinced of that, uh, then we started discussing about the environmental impact of Bitcoin in the world. So I said, okay, well, this is a, another interesting topic. I should prepare myself better. I'm going to collect as many articles as I can. I am going to read. So I just made for myself a spreadsheet of articles. Most of them, I have to say, is Nick Carter's article, <laughs> articles. And at some point I said, well, but I can I can generalize and I can do a database of articles I collect and keep it either for myself, but if I make a good interface, I can just give it to everyone. Um, and this is exactly what I did. So the whole project is based on an Excel sheet, so a CSV file, and it has just a nice interface and you can filter with a keyword. And ah, and the news is that today, as of today, there are more than 1,000 resources. So today is a milestone. Uh, I was happy to to reach on the day that I talked to you. In fact, so yeah, that's nuts. Yeah. The last time I knew it was 500. Exactly because we we had that tapas and uh, and a beer in Marbella, and you said, yeah, I'm thinking about doing this project, or maybe you'd even started playing around and doing it. And I was like, man, that that's like awesome, absolutely, 100. Mm -hmm. And then you went away and that was that was like the second week of June. Yep. And then <laughs> before I know it, you're in my DMs like, what other books could you recommend in case I've missed something? I've already got like X amount of hundreds uh, and I'm like, holy shit, he's doing it. Right. OK, so I start, you know, pinging you some 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 other book titles. Yeah, I've got that. I've got that. Oh, that that one I need. Da, 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 da. You reached 500 so quickly. Mm -hmm. And this is what I want to. I, I want to push and now you're a thousand yep. so this is what this is articles so this is actually a lot of things so most of most of them are articles but there are guides like how to's 
So how to install mm -hmm. your call card, how to that. Uh, there are some uh, some podcast episodes. There are videos. Um, there is an other classification, which is uh, most of it is um, Satoshi's emails. So uh, what else? Articles, videos, guides. Yeah, tools. There are lots of tools like these websites where, where you can maybe a dashboard where you can see prices. This is a but then there are many other websites that are pretty cool. Like you can uh, simulate a blockchain and you can try to generate the next blog. May, may, lots of multimedia stuff. So there are uh, out there. But I, I have to say this is something I have been collecting from also other people who have done their work. They have put together other lists. I'm, I'm just trying to collect all these, these lists and put it out there because, I mean, it's all about decentralization, right? So, in fact, the, the whole project is open source, is uh, MIT licensed, which means anyone can take it and do whatever they want. So, you want to copy, improve it, you want to sell it, do whatever you want, it's your project. And I am just hosting it on, uh, actually, I have to say, shout out to the guys of uh, Netlify, because it made things so easy for me to have it working. And, yeah, and that's it. I have to say, it's... it's uh, I think it's the biggest website in the world right now of Bitcoin resources. <laughs> I was looking for something like that. That's and amazing. then said, well, actually there are no other like this. And so, yeah, so far, so good. Bitcoinminds.org. So this is, a, and I want to push this message hard right now. You've got over a thousand resources across books, podcasts, videos, uh, tools, uh, other websites, yada, yada, yada. There's going to be more to come. If you were to do the same project on Ethereum, you'd be finished right now, right? <laughs> I would yeah. have been finished like the third day or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Or any of the other shit coins. Yeah, absolutely. Because they're just shit. But look at, you know, <laughs> pretty much. look at, so when people, when people ask you, oh, yeah, but, you know, what about anything else? It's like, just go to bitcoinminds.org. Why do you think there's over a thousand resources? Why do you think people are writing these articles and making these videos and podcasts and whatever else? Like, this is, this is crazy. Mm -hmm. If there's 11,000 shit coins out there, like, you know, we've got a thousand Bitcoin articles already. Yeah. And that's going to just get more and more and more. Yeah, it just blows any of the arguments out of the water about oh there'll be something else and you know this just as important this other project it's all bullshit. It is. It absolutely is. In fact, this is one of the questions I always have to myself. Maybe uh, am I missing the good thinkers of the shitcoins, or they simply do not exist? No, it's like the aliens we talked before. <laughs> Are they hidden or <laughs> or what? So. I don't know. I mean, in fact, I you, say I'm not concerned. I'm not interested. So whatever. Can can we can we buy the uh, the domain name for altcoinminds.org and just have a blank page? Oh God, let's do that. Yeah, altcoin. <laughs> <laughs> I'm integrating it down, not to forget. <laughs> just that meme. Just that meme. There's nothing to see here. Like, the, you know, the, like, oh, but if you go to this drop down, completely empty, this drop down, completely empty. In fact, I can actually copy the same thing and the Excel file will be empty. Yep. It's, 
It's a few hours work. You could have that up this afternoon. Altcoinmines.org. <laughs> it's like that uh, website. It's called Is It Friday Yet? So every time you go on a Monday and say no. <laughs> on Fridays, it says yes. <laughs> That's everything it does. <laughs> Uh, is it a shit coin yet? Yeah. Uh, well, if it's not Bitcoin, yes, every day, yeah. every day of the year. <laughs> no, no. All right. Well, if, sorry, sorry, ahead. sorry to interrupt. It's just, I guess this is a good um, platform to say that if every one of your listeners they have some website, some hidden treasure that I haven't put on the website, please let me know or let you know that uh, I would be very happy to include that in the in the database. So. It, that's a good idea actually we need to get twitter threads on there let's yeah. um because there's some fire threads right that mm -hmm. people have written on twitter yeah. uh plebs as well just <clears throat> complete unknowns uh so if anybody is listening uh you know i had drew mcmartin on last night if you're listening mate you're you know he's mm -hmm. got two or three twitter threads out there mm -hmm. uh caleb if you're listening he he's gonna release an article this weekend about um facing down friends and family when they start attacking Bitcoin mm -hmm. and that feeling you get, uh, I don't know if you, if you get the same thing, but you know, I get that fight or flight reaction. As soon as somebody just turns around and says, you know, what the hell are you talking about? Stop going on about Bitcoin. You've no idea. This just a shit. It's just, you know, it, it's, it's not backed by any, all of the usual FUD. I, I, I feel that surge of adrenaline because I know the person I'm speaking to hasn't done any research at all and they're just regurgitating hmm. a, um, a headline that they might have read or seen at some point over the last five years. Mm -hmm. And it, it just, it, it definitely affects us all. Uh, I don't know if you ever feel the same thing when, um, when you come up against uh, those, they're not even debates half the time, they're just full on shutdowns and... Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, but it goes by phases. Uh, at the beginning, mm -hmm. you have this urge to respond with all your arguments, which won't be heard. Um, second, I am just on a passive attitude. Like if someone wants to talk about Bitcoin, I actually am very happy to. And I guess I'm right now in this in this phase because I also don't want to be the person annoying everyone and just make everyone's life miserable uh, if they just don't want to hear that. So, but I think the the best um, convincing or humbling force is a number go up. People just come to you yeah. after a few months. It's like, well, you know, this thing about Bitcoin. And it's happened to me already like three times. And I tell you, three times uh, I have a friend of mine. I spoke to her like for two, three hours in different stances, like in 2020 when Bitcoin was 5K, uh, so 7K or something like that. And she came back to me when it was 40K. So this is the, the universal uh, humbling force is the number go up. And also yeah, there, is, is. there is um, this article by Parker Lewis, one of the gradually yeah. done suddenly. He has this um, quote by Thomas Paine about the, um, uh, what was it? about the habits and traditions and how people are used to the inertia of something. And he said, the long habit of thinking a thing uh, wrong uh, gives it a superficial um, appearance of it being right. And in the end he says, uh, how, how was it? Uh, ah, it was, 
time makes more converts than reason. So sometimes you just cannot reason someone into something. It's just a matter of time. Yeah? So I guess that's a brilliant one. Yeah, time makes more converts than reason. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. In there was also something similar in physics because uh, I don't know who said that. I forgot, but. It was. Uh, it, it is said that it's so hard to change someone's conception of the world, uh, even for for physicists and people who are supposed to be uh, proof-driven people. Yeah, that they say they said science um, progresses one uh, funeral at a time, right? So uh, the old ideas die with the person who is actually espousing them, and mm -hmm. who, who knows where we are. I think. Money is probably a, a, a bigger incentive for people to change their mind. And when they say, well, this guy actually was right one year ago. Now let's talk to him. There's, um, I can't remember who said this one, but I saw it the other day. It's uh, easier to fool someone than it is to make them realize they've been fooled. Hmm. And that sums up what's going on with Bitcoin when you get this pushback from like the mainstream economists and uh, well, anybody else out there that thinks that they know something about, um, you know, how, how money works, pretty much anyone, basically. Mm. They don't want to ever face the fact that they've just been ripped off their whole lives mm -hmm. by inflation mm -hmm. and the uh, monopolistic control that uh, these central banks have over our money which is a representation of our time mm -hmm. and we have sacrificed that time to earn that money which they just do whatever they want with they, they control it mm -hmm. and making people wake up to that and realize that it's uh it's it's very difficult yeah so can i remind you so when i mentioned these articles uh, of inflation when i talked to my friend the whole thing was triggered by something he said that because I asked him, why do you think that um, inflation is good? And his answer was uh, automatic, almost like, well, uh, deflation is bad, therefore inflation must be good. And at the time I had to say, I, I didn't know the exact answer, but deflation can be bad under certain contexts, but historically speaking, we have lived in a con constant deflation like on prices what i mean is our purchase power has been increasing all the time uh, and in our lifetime if you don't want to think of it in historical terms a tv every year is cheaper you can buy now uh, a 80 inches tv flat blah 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 for less than 1000 euro so this is deflation before your eyes why can't you see it why why do you think it's only for televisions or laptops and not everything else so in in a sense we are like these two fish who were swimming and these old fish told them um hey how's the water and they when the old fish just went away they said what's he talking about what's what's water you know so our generation or maybe more uh, have lived with this idea that uh, that we are inflation is part of nature and but it's really not Mm, no, too right. All right. If you had one orange pill left to give to someone, who would you give it to and why? <laughs> okay, that's a hard one. I guess it would be someone 
who has uh, influence or yeah influence over the younger generations um I mean, the other day, I think it was also in your podcast I was listening to, and this person said Greta Thunberg uh, would be a good candidate. And I think I agree. Uh, I'm not sure because I, honestly, I don't know who the young people follow now. <laughs> so, but whoever they follow, this would be a good, uh, a good orange peel to be given. Yeah. That'll be so fun. It was so fun to like, you know, if she just took, just, I could, I could write the tweet for her. It's like, okay, forget all of the climate change nonsense. The world's not going to end. Bitcoin fixes this. We're going to be good. And all the teenagers run out and just start, you know, stacking sats and learning about it. Uh, that'd be, uh, that'd be amazing mm. to see. That would be a, yeah, but I, I that, think that... that would be a big pill. <laughs> yeah. I think uh, I think Jeff Booth puts it uh, this way that when you speak about this topic about climate change, you have to ask how are you going to solve climate change with an inflationary policy. So it's actually not that far away that this could happen. So you could link both of them. You can protect the environment with better policies, and these better policies uh, would be coming from a Bitcoin standard, maybe offer or a deflationary deflationary uh, currency yeah we all know that uh i mean it incentivizes good behavior when you uh, start interacting with bitcoin and alex gladstein said this once on my show it's a machine that turns greed into freedom and i just hmm. find that so powerful because um i don't know I, I guess with some people it kind of exposes their bad side as well but they're just going to end up getting wrecked and we'll just carry on stacking mm. sats. So, yeah. you know, that those those real bad actors will just get exposed immediately. <clears throat> and mm. goodbye. Yeah, now that you say that, um, I have started to think that usually we think about left and, and right uh, of the political spectrum. Yeah. And then I think actually the difference is not left or right. It's people who understand incentives and people who don't. And... Mm -hmm. It's. Uh, I started to think about this in, in in Bitcoin. Like, yeah, how is everything aligned? How everyone in the game is incentivized to improve their wealth by not breaking the system. So it's really what you said: turning greed into uh, into what was <laughs> sorry freedom into, into freedom. freedom. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And incentives it's... is is the right thing. And I have to believe that almost everybody has good intentions, but unfortunately, <clears throat> almost nobody has good incentives because the incentives are based on a fiat monetary system. If you if your incentive is money and that money is untrue and unsound and is completely, for want of a better word, fucked with, <laughs> then it doesn't matter how good your intentions are if your incentive is so you like kind of manipulated, uh, you know, and we see this behavior all of the time. And in in, even in the workplace, you know, you, your your intention is good when you go in and whatever, whatever career path that you choose, but the incentive is always money. Hmm. So that for that is going to change your behavior. And all of a sudden your intentions slowly start going out the window, or you just slowly start hmm. getting ground down. Uh, you know, teaching is a great example. You know, you, you, you have 
an amazing intention as a teacher to go in and mentor young children. Uh, the incentive, however, is payday and exam results. And if you don't get the right exam results for these kids, then you're going to lose your job and you're going to lose your payday. So your intentions now are completely shattered because all you've got to do is ram these kids full of as much information as you can and whip them until they get the exam results. And if they're not going to even be able to sit the exam results, you just shelve them. You put them back a year. So they're not going to, um, you know, smirch the country. Mm. So it, it's just so bad. <laughs> you know, mm. The whole system is rotten and it's rotten from the core and the core is money because this is what we use as a medium of exchange to express value to each other. If that's busted, everything else is busted behind it. Yeah. So it needs fixing and fix the money, fix the world. It's just brilliant, an absolute brilliant meme. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think about incentives as an element of a system that promotes a certain behavior. So it's just when you think in those terms, it's like, okay, here you have, I don't know, communism or capitalism or whatever. Yeah. What behaviors are promoted? So that's the question you have to ask yourself if you want to think about the results like show me the incentives and I'll show you the outcome. No, this is what they said. And I, I love that it's, yep. it's it's pretty much that. Yeah. Unfortunately, we we yeah, Munger said that and he's just falling down the, the hole of fiat mm. demon himself. Um the other day he was uh he was what's he saying? Yeah, we need to be basically more like uh more like China. Um talking about the US businesses. Uh it was just it was incredible to incredible to listen to it's like mm. what are you saying um you know kicking people out of the country or you know just removing companies if we didn't like what they were doing it's like what it's nuts absolutely nuts yeah i guess this is part of the people who have no accountability on what they say right <laughs> like mm -hmm. many of the uh, nobel prize winners uh, i think was stiglitz who has lots of um headlines in support of Venezuela and so on. Uh, when um, Chavez started, uh, it's like, yeah, look. And, and the, the guy is, is well respected still like, after he's been <laughs> debunked by reality. Yeah, but no, <laughs> no consequence. Not by fact checkers. No, no. But They're debunked, debunked by actual reality. By, yeah, exactly. By things that actually happened, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll see. Bitcoin is hope. All right, Raul, what, um, what's your final message for any of the other fellow plebs out there that, uh, that might be tuning in today? Um, okay. C can I tell you the best quote I've ever, so I, I like the most and I have it in my bio. It's uh, maybe related to my job as <laughs> in an uh, astronomical yeah. place. Yeah. It's uh, about Thomas Nagel, an author I really like. It's called, the book is called Mind and Cosmos. Uh, and he said, each one of us is part of the process of the universe waking up and becoming aware of itself. Yeah. So there are many layers to interpret this thing. And the way I see that is that we are just, our life is just a continuum that will be continued by someone else that will increase their level or of consciousness until we just reach some, I don't know, super intelligence state or so on and so forth. So just think long term always because 
this is where we are headed. We're just everyone is part of the universe becoming aware of itself. And when you think that way, uh, probably you will not care about the minor things in your life. And I really had to to repeat it here. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, that's a perfect, perfect quote. Great place to uh, to end the interview. Uh, really appreciate you coming on. Um, many people need to go out and reach out and uh, talk to you about bitcoinminds.org. Uh, if they've got anything that they want submitted to the website. And uh, I think you you don't need any help at all with altkindminds.org. I think you'll be able to have that up and running in about 30 seconds. <laughs> I'll see if it's uh, available. Yeah. And uh, before we, we finish, probably I, I want to say a shout out to uh, Spanish speaking podcasts because there are not that many and there are lots of people uh, out there who probably uh are not that good with english and there is alberto mera for example or lunaticoin uh, so if someone listening to you would prefer to have a spanish-speaking podcast there are uh, a few alternatives and these people are doing great work and it's i mean we are here to educate people to help people uh, to have a better future and all what you are doing and what they are doing it's it's uh, impressive but hopefully we can reach as many people as possible and as soon as possible yeah. Excellent. Uh, I will get those exact names off you so we can add them to the show notes for uh, Spanish podcast. Uh, Raul, it's been uh, always uh, a pleasure to sit down and have a conversation with you. I really appreciate you coming on the show, man. Well, thanks for the invite. Uh, happy to talk to you as usual. Take care, mate. Hey, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to that edition of the Once Bitten podcast with Raul. Thanks for coming on, brother. Thanks for sharing your life story what you do during the day with the telescopes which just still blows my mind listening back to that uh please plebs reach out terrell he's looking for any hidden gems treasures that he may have missed for his bitcoinminds.org project uh he would happily put any articles or any content onto this website that is going to help newbies come to and discover the bitcoin rabbit hole i'm going to sign off now uh thank you so much to everybody that is liking the show uh subscribing reviewing whatever you're doing i really appreciate it make sure you check out the show sponsors as always you can stack in the uk with coinfloor.co.uk forward slash bitten they've got a very cool app now it's up and running, it's working well, and fees are going to trend to zero for you on the auto buys. Don't delay. In the US, you can use swanbitcoin.com forward slash bitten. That will kick you off with a free 10 bucks to start your stack. Across Europe, you can use relay, R-E-L-A-I.ch forward slash bitten. But then take control of these coins, guys. Use a Bitbox02 hardware wallet, Bitbox only edition from shiftcrypto.ch forward slash bitten appreciate all you plebs thank you so much for supporting the show thank you for tuning in thanks for the banter on twitter stack safe guys take care